0: What's good, Internet? Welcome to session 26 of Super GG Radio, where friends chat about video games and all things adjacent. With us as usual, from the Kratos cosplay champ for the last two years running, good thing they did the Norse version, Joel DeWitt.
1: Come on, I already did the bad Kratos voice like 10 episodes ago.
0: Do it! Just do it!
1: You had best watch yourself, boy. Wait, you you had best watch yourself? Kratos doesn't talk like that.
0: I got the chills. Who else got the chills? Lastly, with a shocking turn of events due to technical difficulties, we have us the smoothest doctoral candidate of all, Steve Dvorak. Welcome back, Steve. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm going off script again. It seems par for the course. Yeah, pretty much. Also might add, Steve is my dog's best friend. When he's around, we're chopped deliver. What can I say? Steve gets bitches. Penny likes cookies. He does hey quick question guys
2: mm-hmm. uh, I, I was actually looking at the script
0: what's a SNES we'll get into really? that later this week we talk THQ no, Nordic's no, no, wait, Sassy wait, wait, Attitude hold on
2: hold
1: on hold on. you don't know that acronym
0: yeah I do I'm just fucking with you oh, Okay. this week we talk THQ Nordic Sassy Attitude Destiny Info and SNES rumors and news talk about the devil himself and solve all the world problems via tennis matches in the backlog blog And finally, bring out a new segment of Guess the Game. But first, as always, Early Adoption, where we play alphas, betas, and games we paid full price for despite having a massive back catalog. Looking at you, Joel. Mm Mm-hmm. This week, Joel, you played Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night.
1: Yeah, so I actually bought this at launch and I've been sitting on it for a while between uh, Mario Maker coming out and Vitation and uh, trying to jump on other alphas or betas that nowhere profit stuff
0: uh if you ask so, me you've just been playing three houses
1: we'll touch on that later so uh steve i guess question for you do you know the castlevania series
0: absolutely i do joel okay Glad
1: uh that you asked how about the uh the playstation one game symphony of the night
2: you know i feel like symphony of the night's a game that's been like hyped a lot or talked a lot about but i never had a playstation one so I think I maybe have played it a teeny little bit or seen some gameplay, like, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. I'll sort of fix like this 25 years ago. Yeah. I'll fix this right away. Mm-hmm. What are you fixing? Making sure you play that game. Oh. Oh. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, make me play that game. <laughs> or make Hartwig do it and I'll watch him. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to drink every time that you hit a candle with a whip.
0: Oh, that's a rough game. (laughs) (laughs) So,
2: Joel, you were talking about ritual of the night is this another castlevania game uh
1: so there's a funny little bit of backstory the creator of this game or the main force behind it was one of the developers for castlevania symphony of the night which for the castlevania games were a big departure from what they used to be so like the nes and super nintendo and Sega Genesis ones they were those sort of slow plotting hard as hell 2d platformers where like you jump and then You'd run into an enemy because it came off screen, <laughs> and you'd, you'd fall into pits and die and stuff. Symphony of the Night was where the series shifted to being more exploratory. Think, like, Super Metroid. Is that a good point of reference for you?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, it's kind of coming back to me a little bit, where, like, you're running through the castle, and there's, like, different wings and stuff that you explore. You have a map. Right. Instead a... of, as you said... You jump across the pit, and then one of those fish monsters blows a fireball at you and you die.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, like, so like, Symphony of the Night and the later games there, they would be more expansive maps, like kind of Metroid games. They would have areas that were blocked off until you found a, an item or ability that unlocked that area so you could explore further. Uh, it was one of the first times where it kind of felt like there was more story than just you're splunting in. Dracula's castle, and it was it's still kind of heralded as like one of the best if not the best of the series So Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is basically a new one of those and I mean down to a lot of different little details like you go to a castle you explore this whole map and it is just a 2d platformer where you're running across enemies and you're killing them they'll drop different items or weapons and Joel, you, is the yeah. loading
0: screen hidden behind hallways?
1: Maybe, because there are a lot of hallways. But I'll, and yeah. are there
0: specific sections of the map where you save?
1: Yeah, so, Steve, in Symphony of the Night, there are different hallways between sections of the map. And it was a hallway you walked across, but there was, like, explicitly an image of a disk at the top of the hallway. <laughs> Just indicating that you're, yeah. you're walking through a loading
0: screen. But it looked like it was decorated so, into the ceiling. Like mm-hmm. a picture of a CD. Right. Interesting.
2: So it's kind of like the door animation in Resident Evil. Yes. Right. Where it's like a loading screen, but it, they give you a little little movie of a door opening and being all creaky. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's their way of hiding or trying to paper over the fact that they're having these long loadings you're supposed to wait through. So, like, I, there are a lot of hallways. And I I hadn't really thought about it too much, Alex, but you're probably right. That probably is there to do the same thing. That said, I didn't notice it. So that's a good thing. Lots of little homages to, or at least same kind of design conceits. So like you have to hit save points at different parts in the map to save your progress. And if you don't, if you die before you hit the next marker to save your point, you lose your progress and have to start back from where you last saved.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Which uh, is a staple of series, but given how prevalent uh, auto-save is, is kind of a weird thing to have to experience again. One thing I want to mention, though, is that in *Castlevania: Symphony of the Night*, the dialogue was hilariously kind of a B-tier movie in quality. Yeah, of course, or, or that's a staple. At, more specifically, like the the voice acting was, was really bad. Uh, so, like Dracula would be this really sort of chewing the scenery kind of commentary. And uh, Richter, one of the characters, says something like, you know, you steal men's souls and make them your slaves. And Dracula would go back and say, what is a man but a miserable pile of secrets? (laughs) And just this really, really over-the-top stuff.
3: uh,
0: uh. It also sounded like they were recorded in an empty, echoey room. Yep,
2: absolutely. (laughs) Well, they they were going for that
0: inside of an unfurnished
2: castle sound. I think you're giving too much credit. (laughs) Hey, man, you got to do what you got to do in this business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was really a meaningless statement, but you know. But, I mean, so the weird thing
1: is that it's to me, it's kind of the same quality of writing and delivery on voice acting, but there's a lot more voice acting in this. And like, from the start, there's these different uh, conversations back and forth that last for like two or three minutes at a time and there are these interstitial conversations between different segments you reach when you encounter people uh, throughout the game and in in symphony of the night outs you you think maybe there's what like seven or eight different conversation points total yeah
0: I i would i would say that between shaft richter alucard maria i'd say you get about all 15 not even like 10 minutes yeah, so it was just it was
1: a strange thing to lean into to me, just because it the even the voice acting and stuff didn't bother me so much as it broke things up in such a way so far where I've been playing it that it breaks the flow of the game, right? And kind of it's like oh I have to stop and listen to another one of these. This is kind of dumb, and it was just kind of annoying. The other thing I wanted to mention was that so the backgrounds of these levels look amazing, and it, it, it's mostly like the lighting, so there will be stark contrast between the foregrounds and the backgrounds. Uh, Sections where you're looking at a hallway, this one I don't think was a loading screen, but the foreground was sort of silverish in color with this pitch black background with a streak of red coming from like a blood moon in the background that really shone a really amazing light on it. But then it's kind of inconsistent because there are other parts where you're walking down a section that's a hallway and it's clear like it's, it's a... 2d platformer in a 3d plane so they're trying to create depth but it, it's just like repeat over and over as you look out in the distance it's like kind of like steve mm-hmm. or alex when when your computer's like struggling to keep up with processing stuff and you're dragging a, an internet tab and it's like copying it as you go along oh i, yeah. I mean that that's kind of the feel i got of it, it just felt a little bit like cut cornery almost <laughs> in a strange way
0: I saw where God, they were trying so to do like faux a, 3D in a 2D look. plane on the tower that spirals, and even that looked like it was struggling. Yeah, yeah. And another
1: weird thing so, this is the Kickstarter game, and I think you and I, Alex, talked about it offline, but one of the rewards for a certain tier was that if you paid enough money, they would use your image as part of the background in the game somewhere. And the, yeah, and the way that. they implement it is that they have these portraits in the background in certain sections, and You could submit images of, like, your profile, and they would, like, put it into the game as if it was a painting. But, so, like, you'd run across, and you'd see, like, a dandly doofus with a faux hawk sitting there in the background of this gothic castle. Or one one section was uh, just a a picture of somebody's black cat (laughs) they took and submitted to the...
2: Wait, Joel, do we still have time to get your face in this video game? Ooh, patch it it's
1: in. It's a little late, I think. I might need to wait for the sequel on that. Oh, yeah, bummer. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a lot of complaining over what's really a, a pretty good
0: game. It's so like those. Um, imagine a really good sequel, with the Super GG logo pasted in the background.
3: Ooh. Uh, well, let's uh, let's start churning right up
1: our budget here and see if we can uh, spring for that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Wait, do you recall how much it cost on Kickstarter to get your face Absolutely in the game? not. No. No. You guys keep More talking, than 100 Google this. <laughs> so, I guess, brief recap, kind of like a fun sequel, but they took one of the worst parts of Symphony of the Night and added a lot more. Yeah, has hit- like
1: the, the tort Part of the game is what I'm expecting out of it. It's it's 2D platforming, killing monsters, uh, being able to equip different items and weapons. Uh, there actually there's a new ability system compared to what it used to be, where you kill enemies and you'll absorb these things that come from them called shards. And they'll give you various abilities or power-ups, so like one might be sort of repeating the same move the enemy had, or one that I had was just basically a flamethrower from equipping the shard that they have. Or other ones are stat boosts, and or familiars that you can have follow you, which are in a lot of ways kind of meant to ape some of the abilities and power-ups from the Castlevania series because they had familiars and stuff there too. But it seems a lot more varied, and the way you kill monsters to gain them almost has like a pokemon got to collect them all kind of feel to it, you know?
2: Okay, so there's a lot of ideas. Oh,
1: absolutely. And that that's in line with the series where it had gone. As well as, uh, there's also a bit of kind of uh, crafting in this game. Which
2: is the departure from the Castlevania stuff? So, you t- dude, I love crafting in every single video game. You do love crafting. <laughs> I get obsessed about crafting. So,
1: you, you there's like a, a ruins area where your allies sort of sit at, and you can go back to from time to time. And there's shops and stuff to buy items. But there's also a crafting table where you can like make food and other items with different stuff that you find within the tassel And and even there'll be kind of little. Many missions that you can obtain from there. So, like, uh, somebody will ask you to go find out what happened to their husband. And basically, if you go find out what happened while it's born in the castle, you can go back and complete the marker and you'll get a small reward for it. So, it, it kind of it, it feels strange in the context of what this game is, but they definitely kind of padded it out with more optional stuff you can tinker around with.
2: Gotcha. So, it has like a quasi. Uh, quest-based format. Yeah,
1: at least as like a side option. It's it's nothing that I felt like was integral so far to playing through the game. And it's not really my cup of tea when it comes to this type of game. But uh, it is there if that would be something that interest you.
3: Gotcha.
0: See, now, I loved exploring that map. So right. when it came down to finishing the game, I spent more time exploring every single nook and cranny to finish out the hundred and whatever percent 200 percent of the map so hearing that there's like these side quests now give me more reason to explore and more things to find if the castlevania city the night came out right now with brand new fresh trophies i'd be in that as well because i like having that bonus content and that reason to go back into a castle that i love being a
3: part Mm -hmm. of
2: i did let me ask you a quick question yeah you know with most of my familiarity of Castlevania being from the old NES games, in this particular game, do you ever whip a candle and a turkey leg falls out, and it gives you HP?
1: Uh, no. You you can whip candles, but turkeys don't fall out of the candles. You have to hit certain walls, and turkeys will come out.
2: Oh, okay. It, well, as long as they're in there somewhere.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the wall turkey's there. Don't worry.
2: Okay, good. I was I was a little nervous at first. I thought you were going to say that, you know, nothing came
0: out of mm. those candles. It'd be funny if you altered it a little bit and made it like a ham or something.
1: Mm. Uh, yeah, kind of. I think that would run afoul of what uh, these games usually do.
2: Was that pun intended?
3: Yes. Woo!
2: You got it. I'm a little dis. Uh, uh, I'm uh, a little part disappointed part that was the response. That, uh,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what you didn't? You got a woo. <laughs> We don't have a live audience.
0: We could all, we could just clap. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, no, you. Sad. There you go. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I was gonna say I couldn't find the price to get the Kickstarter backer where you get your picture in the game, but I did find that there is a spell that lets you cast uh, picture frames around mm-hmm. you, and some of those are the Kickstarter backers. Nice. Too. I have not
1: encountered that yet.
0: Man,
2: what is? I feel like I would come to regret that feature. <laughs> Like, I don't want my face to be in a video game forever.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like You're the only one there, anyone... man. I want my face in a game.
2: Dude, I wonder if anybody really thought that through. Like, this picture of me is going to be in a video game that people play, and they're going to be casting a spell and looking at You know what face. it's like? It's like I'll going on Facebook and down. seeing
1: Facebook memories, pulling up a photo from ten years ago when you had a really stupid look that you regret now.
2: Yeah, see, that's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs> like that's i deleted my facebook partly for Mm -hmm. that reason like i look horrible usually like me with a goatee holding a mickey's or something (laughs) like that like i don't know i that those images don't need to
0: (laughs) so joel you got any final words on uh bloodstained i almost called it Castlevania. yeah i don't
1: i don't blame you i think i called it castlevania for the first two weeks too uh no i don't have anything else to add other than just like The music is uh, typically just like the series, great, you know, and it fits the mood and setting perfectly. And if it's it's another one of those, so if you can sort of overlook uh, some of those little nagging flaws and a weird idle animation where the main character is kind of thrusting her hips back and forth seductively while talking about the dire straits she's in, it's a it's a great one of these kind of Metroid-like games.
2: Does it is the music featuring like MIDI triggered? harpsichord and pipe organ?
0: Not that I'm aware of, no. It That's might. That's what I associate with spooky castles. I'll look into this further, Steve. I think it might. <laughs> Joel, did you did you buy this physical or digital?
1: I got a physical. I was actually going to wait and see about the Switch version, but the Switch version is pretty hairy with the frame rate issues and looking kind of muddy. And I figured I'd rather have a physical in case it ended up not being a great game and being able to return it or trade it in.
0: I was going to say, if you're done when you are... You can always mail it this guy's way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'll play it. Now, also, I'm excited. Week, me and oh, Steve shit. played a game called Indivisible. I should include you in there. You got it in there last minute, Rachel. Yeah, it's not it in. Indivisible. A very pretty hand-drawn RPG that looks right out of a Saturday morning cartoon. At least that was the impression I got from from the visuals. What do you think, Steve? Uh, Yeah, I mean, the hand-drawn look
2: is nice. It, it has... A nostalgic quality to it. You know, no particular games come right to mind, but like a lot of Super Nintendo era RPGs, it has that cartoony look with the nice feature of it being upgraded for PlayStation 4, so it also has a lot of crispness to it. At least the characters and the backgrounds. You you know, as you progress into the temple, there's some like up front 3d objects which you know i i think i hope maybe they would clean those up a little bit for the final i don't know if they are because it's a, a beta so but really that art style is
0: very appealing it flowed really well and it moved it moved very smooth and easy so it that was a that was one of the good parts about it it is a platformer kind of rpg where you have to traverse these uh, platforms and climbing challenges, climbing up across, you know, wall jumps and over chasms, and you will experience enemies in the world which you can attack, which will lead into a turn-based combat system. I didn't, I didn't
2: really realize until towards the end that if you're, if you're crafty about it, you can kill some of the enemies without ever engaging in the turn-based combat. You could just straight out kill them. I, I noticed that at the end as well. I I kind of wondered if we leveled
0: past them, but I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe.
2: Maybe. I, I felt like it was harder to punch them to death than it was once you got the axe.
0: Yeah. Hmm. So
1: you actually were able to uh, take, dispatch them without having to do the at-the-time battle?
2: Yes. Correct. It, it was for, like, the littler enemies. Mm-hmm. The bigger sort of mini-boss-type enemies, you couldn't do that with... I spent a lot of time trying to figure out if I could, like, get around them, and to no avail. Right, because that was
1: that was sort of one of the first things that struck me was that you you told me that this was an RPG, outlet starting out, and it, it was kind of weird being dropped into this, what I thought was sort of a 2D platformer, and, and the jumping doesn't feel as sort of fluid and crisp as I'd like it to feel. You, you sort of stick to ledges while you're wall-jumping in a way that doesn't feel the most satisfying at times.
0: And I also, I also felt like I wasn't my input's weren't getting across to the game so i would jump and then wall jump and it wouldn't always hit the wall and jump off of it and maybe that was i always thought maybe like i'm bad at this game but it became a repeated problem when i have no other problems playing other games that have wall jumping
1: right and, and so we got to the point where i started approaching enemies and i was like oh i got a punch button you know i guess maybe i just take them out and no that prompted the the battle <laughs> It was like wait oh so now this is happening <laughs> so I,
2: yeah, I didn't know anything about this game going in. I just like picked it up blind and started playing and I was very surprised. And it, it was a little it was a little confusing. Like I read the directions that they give you in game, which were fine, but yeah, it was it, it has basically I would say this game is like a little bit of something for everybody cuz it has like the sort of turn-based Slashed timed RPG battling. It has some of those platformer elements, wall jumping and some jumping challenges and things like that. And it also has that weird element of being slightly like a like a 2D fighter, mm-hmm. the way that you could use up and down to incorporate them into your attacks.
0: So I should probably explain that when you get into a turn-based combat scenario, it's active time battle, so you have a meter above your head. The face buttons of your controller map to a character in your party, and at a, it increases. as you start out with one character, and by the end of the beta time, you have four characters, so you have all four of your, your face buttons as available characters their bars all fill up individually but at the same time and some of them are faster some of them are slower but their bars are filling up and when their bar fills you can press one of the the, whatever their corresponding face button is to attack they can all attack at once and the active mechanic of when they attack you they pick a character to attack and you see their their button flash so you can hit the bu- one of your face buttons to block with that character.
1: Yeah, and you know what? It it really makes me feel like this is some weird amalgamation of like Simon meets World of Warcraft battling. In that, the, the timing aspect of having to match up with the blocking of who they're attacking of your party, coupled with, like, as you're attacking, managing all these cooldowns from the individual t- party members as they're using their attacks. And, and it's just, it's like one step beyond what I'm able to effectively keep track of and manage, I think.
2: Ditto. I struggled with the con, like, I died a bunch of times. Just because, you know, it's sort of as you're playing and gaining new characters, you're learning that, like, oh, for certain types of enemies, it matters if I attack low or high. And then also that applies to your different party members. So, like, if this guy attacks high, it hits more than one person. If this guy attacks low, it hits more than one person. If you do the middle, it's a str- You know, it was like that. And then, yeah, you had to time your blocks, which used your energy bar. And you just kind of had to, like... I've been in button mash mode, which, like, it kind of invites you to mash buttons, but that doesn't work. You have to, like, get into a rhythm and time things out. Because I noticed, like, if you time your attacks well enough, it basically prevents the enemies from doing anything at all. So there was one point where I had gotten the rhythm down. I had, like, had gotten all the characters, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something here but I never really could get the blocking down quite right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, I was like, Joel, like I just couldn't, I couldn't keep track of like the timing and directionality of the attacks. Cause when I would try to do a directional attack, a lot of times I would accidentally switch enemies. Mm-hmm. And oh it would yeah. Just screw me up so bad. And then with doing all that also like managing the blocking,
0: I was okay at it, but I wasn't the best. And then at the end, they're like, if you hit R1, everybody blocks because some enemies do all-out damage. And I just kind of started like, well, this is the only button I'm using to block now, despite if they choose one character or four. Did that work okay That's for exactly you? what I did. So so that did work? Well, no. I mean, it did <laughs> it what it was your supposed energy. to do.
1: Oh, okay.
2: It It drains your energy when you block, though. So if you block with all four, it just, like, taps out your power. And if you don't have any left, I forget what it was called for your, like, super bar, Mm -hmm. but if you don't have any left, you can't block at all. And if you don't fill up your bar... So, like, I almost never used any of the characters' super attacks. I was just using it for healing, just because I was struggling in combat. Sure.
1: Yeah. I... I I kind of feel the same way you guys do. It's when you're on, you're chaining combos with your attacks between party members, and it's satisfying because you are just keeping them in a lock of being hit for a good period of time. It's just that, like you said, Steve, you sort of get reliant on button mashing it, and this is the kind of thing where it doesn't feel good to have to do that.
2: Right, well, and it doesn't It doesn't work. So I couldn't beat the boss, and I I tried him. I got, like... Pretty close, maybe to like 25% health. But, you know, it was it was a long boss battle, and I just kind of gave it up at some point because I knew I wasn't going to figure it out because he summons every other kind of enemy. And Do you want to know like, the trick? Um, well, I think the trick was that you had to sort of remember which attacks worked most effectively on the extras. Kind of, but not uh, really. All right, what, what, what was your strategy?
0: Well, they give you the axe, and the axe is used... As a point to be able to stick to a wall for traversal when wall jumping. And that, I just want to point that out. To jump and then attack with the axe, it was super imprecise. So at one point I started getting hand cramps, which is great. But the trick was, if you do the super when she has an, when your main character has an axe, it's an all-out attack. If you unequip the axe, hers is a heal, but also it's a resurrect. Oh. so you I would only just got... Want to keep getting I the bar got the up, main character heal, to do... block, and if even if someone died when you healed, they would res up again. I had her doing the, like, E-Honda slap. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's because you had the axe equipped. Oh. Also, the the fourth person you get, their super also heals or heals a lot. So you can go Yeah, between. I caught on to
2: that. I was using the Tiger Lady's, like,
0: group heal power. I think I died three times to that last boss, and then the game literally said, you know the supers vary depending on what you have equipped to the character.
2: Oh, I got you.
0: And that kind of comes down to the game is good, it's fun. There's a lot there. I just I, I think I needed a little bit more tutorializing to know. Yeah, like, I mean they told me that like three fu- three deaths in, you know. Yeah, it's it's
2: it's a it's uses so many simple mechanics that add up to being something that's somewhat complicated.
0: Yeah. I kind of see it. I want to see where it goes when it comes out, I think. And the, the demo slash beta is on Steam and PSN, uh, I believe, until release in, I want to say, I thought I saw October. Yeah,
2: so. honestly, I I see this as being like a, like a fairly popular game. Like, it, it offers a lot. And it has, like I said, I feel like there's something for everybody in this. It has like the adventure platforming stuff and it has the RPG like combat system. So for people who like a a little bit more of a challenging game, I think people will get into it because, you know, figuring out those combos and like chaining attacks, I think will be interesting for people.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Indivisible is, a cha- is chaotic and fun. I can't wait to see where it goes from there. But for now, it's time to break. So I can text Getty how much fun we're having without him. I'm just
2: happy I got to participate in the early adopters this week.
0: Finally. (laughs) Me too, Steve. Me too.
3: Yeah. Break. And we're
0: back. Back for the news. Not all the news. Just the news that we got some input on. Joel, you saw here, their THQ Nordic is making a new Saints Row. Deep development.
3: <laughs>
0: Deep. That's the way they described it. Steve, you ever played a Saints Row game? I haven't. And actually, you know, I've heard a lot of good stuff
2: about Saints Row. I feel like people liked it a lot. It seemed like
0: uh, a GTA spinoff a little bit. Yes, but ratchet out the zaniness. And GTA even tried to be like kind of funny and zany, but it got nowhere near as far as Saints Row did. I think at the
2: right. I think I remember that that they
0: put a lot of like really jokey stuff into this game. Well, by part three, you became the president of the United States.
1: Okay, so so let's let's make a comparison here. If GTA is SNL, then Saints Row is Mad TV.
2: Okay, so it's it's
0: pretty far out there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, instead of like being able to punch people in the streets, now you can suplex them, or instead of having a bazooka, you have a dildo bat. Things just keep ratcheting up for Saints Row.
2: Well, I mean, to be honest, Alex, I'm surprised it took us this long to get to the dildo bat.
0: <laughs> well, Saints Row's the Feel game like to do it. could have it. been I
2: think... in a game 15 years
0: ago. Well, I think Saints Row gave them out as promotional tools to companies and developers. Wait. They gave companies and developers dildos? Yeah. Bats. Like real ones. Bats, yeah. Wow. Had the logo printed on it and everything.
2: Oh, man. I gotta say, that's some innovative marketing. Steve, there's uh,
1: there's so many stories. You're,
2: you're gonna remember that.
1: There's so many stories, Steve, of, like, uh, weird promotional shit being sent out to gaming news outlets and different uh, companies in promotion of some of these games.
0: Dude, GTA got in trouble because for Grand Theft Auto 4, they gave out brass knuckles. Like, real ones. Wow. Man. There was
1: a PlayStation 3 game. These, these game studios are
0: coming in hot.
1: Yeah, there was a PlayStation 3 uh, game called Dante's Inferno, and part of what they did was with, I think, the review copy of the games, they sent $100 checks to the reviewers.
2: Well, that's that's not really that interesting. That's just them bribing. sort of bribing reviewers.
1: <laughs> but it was it was like framed as like a, a moral quandary of if you'd keep it or not. <laughs>
2: Yeah, very cute, guys. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's a moral quandary. Yeah, ha ha ha, we're being clever. Lame. Yep. They should have sent out blood. copies of Dante's Inferno as translated by poet laureate Robert Pinsky.
1: Well, I'm so that sorry. Copy. Not everything to be a dildo bat sent in the mail.
0: No, man, I want well, vials of blood. That game was gory. Yeah. There you go. A vial of human
2: blood. That's. I'm pretty sure you can't just mail I feel that. like that's
1: a biohazard.
2: That's some Angelina Jolie stuff.
1: That doesn't ship via air. How's that in
2: And? What did
0: Angelina Jolie do with vials of human blood? Her and Tommy. uh, Who was she married to?
1: Tommy Wiseau.
2: No,
0: no. No, wasn't she married to Brad Pitt? Brad, bad Santa. Oh, she's married to Billy Bob Thornton. She was at first, and they gave each other vials of blood that hung around their necks. Weird. (laughs) It was real weird. Billy Bob. That doesn't surprise me. Angelina.
2: She was pretty mainstream, as far as I remember. Tomb Raider.
0: Yep, that was he, she was married to him during that time, I believe. Well, uh, that aside, are you guys excited
2: for the new Saints Row? Yeah. Did you play the old ones? I played three and four. What about you,
1: Jill? I uh, no, I'm not interested. I mean, I I have three somewhere. I've played it a bit. It's not really my thing.
2: I'm excited for it. But okay. I I mean personally, I've I've lost a lot of interest in GTA-style games. Like, I played GTA 2, or whatever the first 3D one was on PlayStation 2. Three. And I played that a lot. But, you know, in subsequent editions of that game, my interest really waned, so Saints Row never appealed to me. I've never actually played any of them. But I know that it has sort of its own following, I think because of the style and the humor, stuff like
0: that. I think that you would, you would if you were to pick this up, you would be deep into it. You'd say, like, okay, I, I, like, I get why this is
2: popular. Yeah, that might be true. I'm pretty easy to I, I
1: will say, like, if... I don't know about you, Steve, but when I play GTA games, the most fun I usually have is when I'm going on rampages through the city instead of actually following the yeah, story. Yeah, I
2: mean, the rampages only last for so long. I think, for me, it was always... I'm, I'm not that great at, like, driving time trial stuff. So it was always, like, getting the driving down to where I could really get across the city fast. I know we're talking about a completely different game at this point. Right. But uh, that's what I always ended up doing. That was my sandbox thing, was trying to find that rare car. And I guess I remember they did add... Uh, like, GTA 3 had Achievements where, like, you got achievements kind of things for stealing a garbage truck. I guess going on the rampage with the garbage truck was fun. (laughs) Is Saints Row, do they have a similar thing where it's like, you know, get every color of dildo, you get an achievement kind of thing.
0: They have plenty of those, but I also know that they go, they again, like, everything ratcheted up, or instead of, like, getting in a garbage truck, they have, a uh, like, a t-shirt gun cannon car or something to that effect, where they could just shoot things at people.
2: Yeah, it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of THQ Nordic, all of the stuff that's been going around with loot boxes, people have been weighing in about, okay, we will toe the line and we will disclose what the percentage is you will get an item in a loot box because they feel the pressure that the government might step in. You know, they're claiming gambling. And throughout this, everyone's kind of said something, except uh, THQ Nordic came out swinging for the fences and saying, we weren't asked about this because we don't put these in our games. Yeah,
2: I read this article, and you know what? Good for you, THQ Nordic. Yeah. Good for you. I... I at least, like, don't feel compelled to spend real money in-game. So, the loot boxes never really tempted me too much. But, I guess... I love me a good loot box, man. I mean, like, the idea is fun, but when it's like, oh, all you need to do to get this loot box is pay us $20... It's like, forget it. No. (laughs) But, um, you know... A lot of the news surrounding loot boxes, it seems like it's become more and more of like an insidious thing to now governments of various areas are stepping in and being like, this is gambling. You have to put age restrictions on it or, you know, like disclose the probability, which I guess is kind of fair enough. I don't know. Joel, you have children. Mm -hmm. I do. What do you think about this?
1: I think. Well, I think the decision to add probabilities is fine, but it's also like the most limp-wristed response they could have to some of the concerns. I mean, it's kind of like reading the back of a lottery ticket or going to casino and asking about the odds of the of the slot machines or games you're playing. It's like if you're if you're inclined to have compulsion, that information is not going to stop you, and it's like. It's like reading the terms of service on a piece of software you're about to run. Like, nobody nobody, nobody reads that stuff.
2: Yeah, you're right. I guess the reason why I brought up kids is because I feel like this mechanic targets kids the most. I would agree
1: with that. Like, so like under
2: 18? One, one of the most recent examples,
1: like... Steve, was a, a game called uh, Crash Team Racing. So it launched without any microtransactions or loot boxes, and they just recently added them in to the game post-release. And, like, that well, that's, and
2: that's a kid's game. There was, <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. There was something else, like Rocket League did that, too? They just got did rid of them, actually. Oh, they just got rid of them. Yeah. Okay, so it's like, yeah. So you see what I'm saying. I feel like this is a mechanic that really is is geared towards getting kids to accidentally spend a lot of money trying to get, you know, like a a llama head for their car or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah and it
1: feels it feels like some weird uneasy like uh, unspoken thing too in some ways where they're playing cute by claiming they're not targeting kids but loot boxes and this kind of microtransaction model can be in any rated game you would think that an easy at least half solution would be to approach it the same way they approached games with violence back in the '90s, and say if if it has loot boxes or microtransactions with odds about what probability you have to get a certain rare item, it has to be teen or above or even
2: mature rated. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Where it's like if you're gonna put, you know, faux gambling in your game. Just like... Slap a label on I feel on like there. if the game depicts gambling, it's like, gets a higher rating. So like, if there's loot boxes, they could just rate it up. Yeah, just slap, but, just
0: slap a label on there, man.
2: Yeah, the the first game that I actually encountered that did this was Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting to that, and I was like, hey, how... Do, I, I, I asked Eric or something, I was like, how do you get the silver to like buy this stuff? And he was like, you have to spend real money. I was like, What? <laughs> It's real to me, I was just like, it, you already it bothers spent real money. me in that, like, yeah, I spent real money on this game. It's like a, you know, when you have a $60 game and you're paying for DLC, like, get that out of there. For a game like Apex or something, where it's free to play, I'm a little bit more understanding about, like, you have to pay money to buy a character unless you really play it a lot. Mm. But like I said, you know, even Apex, if you really play it a lot, you could still unlock new characters yeah. of your own accord without paying for it. So, yeah, I feel a little bit, you know, microtransactions kind of okay in a game that's a free to play, in my opinion, just because it gives them a revenue stream. But when, you know, when I buy a game outright and like buy a DLC pack, like get that out of here. Get that out of, You know, like, I paid for it. Give me content. Right.
1: <laughs> I, I think you are with the mainstream opinion on that.
2: <laughs> speaking it of... It seems like there's been a lot of pushback.
0: Speaking of Destiny 2 content...
2: Yeah, they delayed the moon. I'm... Shadowkeeper delayed. I'm not surprised. As you guys know, I read about Destiny 2 in Forbes magazine. <laughs> and the Forbes guy was like, they better not release any new Destiny stuff. Along with Borderlands 3. Because he was like, as much as I love Destiny 2, I don't think it'll do that well. And so I'm not surprised that they pushed it back. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was for that reason or development issues. Now, how do you feel
0: about them setting all power levels to 750 across the board?
2: This is actually, for gamers, an important point. So last summer, Eric and Hoffman and I did the grind for like the heroic you know commemorative armor set uh which ice t got that as well fyi he plays destiny (laughs) um and it was it's a lot of work to do it that's really cool that he plays destiny yeah it is uh once you got it it like that's when forsaken came out and it was immediately obsolete it did not carry over at all yep. into the next bit of content. Mm-hmm. And I think that people were probably pissed about that. And so they they are doing a similar armor challenge now, and they've said that this way your armor will carry over into the next game, mm-hmm. which I think is good. My gripe about it really is still what I griped about the last time we talked about Destiny 2, is I paid for an entire set of dlcs mm-hmm. all of the forsaken stuff like a full year of seasons it's four or five seasons whatever yeah all the dlc zero new missions awesome. if i want some more story now i've got to buy another year's worth of content mm-hmm. so i'm not even sure if i'm gonna play it
0: there they come in seasons man there's that's the new way to double up on dlc but it also on the plus side it increases the longevity of a game where... Yeah,
2: I'm not. I'm not mad about the seasons. Mm-hmm. I'm mad that the seasons that I paid for had no new content.
0: Oh, so you you got a you got a crappy season.
2: Uh, I got four crappy seasons. Okay. So that's actually like they did this. When it
1: comes to Destiny, if yeah. even from Destiny One, that was one of the sort of underhanded things about their DLC roadmap is that they would give you like, you're paying for expansion one and expansion two. Of the season of Destiny, but they wouldn't outline what's in it until close to release, right? So, like, if if you right. were somebody who was bought in early and were like, "Yeah, I'm enjoying the hell out of the base game," I, of course I'm going to want to play. You might jump in and pay for the DLC early, and then find out that like, "Oh, it only came with a small smattering of missions." one raid and one strike and it's like well what did I pay forty dollars for
2: exactly so they did a good job up through the first bit of Forsaken but this last couple of seasons each time they just add one public event and I was bummed about that
0: that's why I only stick to seasonal multi-year DLC options in games that aren't story based so street fighter street fighter 5 i think they're on year four of characters but you can buy like you can look at year one and say that year sucked and i don't like those characters i'll buy year three and then it it doesn't affect anything in the base game you can still play with people online who have those characters you just can't choose them and why would you because you don't want to
2: interesting it's the same thing that's a good idea
0: with like rainbow six siege it's like again different characters that do different things and you pick and choose like oh because Rainbow Six Siege, I think, is about to announce year five or six of their DLC content.
2: Hmm. Okay, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, I. You guys all got to play the Moon in Destiny One. <laughs> I didn't get to play the Moon, <laughs> and I really want to play the Moon. The wizards were there. I know. Dinkle, Dinklebot. I told was me. like, I was like, oh, Eric, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm on the Moon. I gotta like kill the necrobots and defeat the evil wizard. I was like, that sounds really cool. It's pretty but, hard. like, I have mixed feelings now, because Bungie, I want to yell at them about the lack of missions, but they're trying to rope me back in, because it's the moon, and I want to play those missions, but shame on them. I, I'm not going to... Also shame on I'm them. I'm not
1: going to lie, the moon was probably one of the cooler areas of the first game. Oh!
3: <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's
0: what everybody keeps saying. Also, to connect this back to Borderlands 3, not in the news... Still cool. Ice T announced as of as an NPC in Borderlands Three. Really? Yeah. He is a ma'am. He is a computer robot that was put into a teddy bear. He's so
2: awesome. Mm-hmm. I just wish there wasn't so much like sordid stuff surrounding the game. I would be so excited.
0: Now, to keep going with Destiny though. They have cross-save now, which doesn't totally affect you, really. I mean, yeah.
2: You guys could just play on your PC, and I could stick to my PlayStation. I it's don't think it does cross save that way. Pay for Moon related content.
0: No, well, no. The bonus is this, because it doesn't do cross play. I can't play with you, Steven, for my PC. But what it does? Oh, is, you could just
2: transfer. No, over. it's not even you. a
0: transfer. You create a Bungie account, and then you lock in what characters you want to be your active characters. So if I if I've already started a new game on PC and I have my PS4, I can say I want my PC guy to be my primary. Whenever I log in to my PSN and play Destiny there, or I play on my PC, it's the same character with the same data that transfers across through my Destiny account, or my Bungie account, which means that if I play with you, Steve, I could come and grind on my computer. Gotcha 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 So when you're not around I could just be grinding on my computer which is which is cool to me because I think that was kind of one of those things that I was like I really wish I could play back and forth because I yeah. hear it's real pretty pretty NPC
2: it'll it, it's a good it's a good move for those people who double up yeah play PC and and PlayStation
0: now Joel, you're the Nintendo guy hit me with these Nintendo news
1: uh, let's make this quick uh, so basically an FCC filing revealed this week that uh nintendo is going to be announcing a super nintendo controller that's compatible with the switch and of course the internet flipped out and went straight the, to the conclusion that uh they're gonna bring super nes games to the switch just like mm-hmm. the nes ones for the online service
0: yeah
2: i've kind of se- seems like a great idea
0: it is i like the snes games i That's the the NES and SNES are kind of holes in my back catalog because I I was more of a Sega kid, but I don't believe anything until I see Nintendo tell me.
1: Now, that said, uh, there's been some chatter around the internet saying that in a prior earnings call, Nintendo said that if they were to add additional consoles to their online service as part of their offerings for games, they would make their Nintendo Switch online subscription a tiered service with each console adding an extra cost to it
0: I wish you could pick and choose ten dollars per console or something to that extent
1: yeah i mean we're still in the speculation category but i mean I, i see a scenario where they basically say the base nintendo switch online is the nes game plus the online access for 20 and then 10 bucks to get access to the super nintendo catalog on top of that per year
2: dude you can use a super nintendo controller with your switch I might be able to play it, with my big man hand.
0: <laughs> yeah, you do have problems with those joy cons. It's true. Also,
2: as a child, I never had a SNES for myself, so I've always wanted to play Chrono Trigger. Ooh! Mm-hmm. I never like really played it, but I think like I remember watching people play. Joel, it, I'll fix this. Like, okay. Joel, I'll fix so this. we have two, we have two games and now
1: <laughs> from this conversation. I'll
0: fix it's this. It's
2: like Joel. my favorite game that I've never played.
1: I'm not a big RPG guy, uh, but. Chrono Trigger is probably one of my favorite games. Like it, it is just we're not going to touch upon all the reasons why here, but it's it's fantastic.
2: I feel like it could make a a bid for one of the best games ever. People just love it. Oh yeah,
1: it is a beloved game.
0: I remember a story that uh, my friend Dave told me where there was a fire in his house and he ran in for Chrono Trigger. <laughs> I I respect that. Yep. You know what Nintendo don't Nintendo don't care if we take a break. Boom. Segway. Let's go. And we're back from the news break, which means the Backlog Vlog, where we play the games we bought on our new console because we forgot we bought them on the old console. Joel, we played Mario Aces for free this week.
1: Wait, what What game did you buy on a new console that you bought on an old console?
0: Do you want the list? My wife is around. D- just one. Okay, let's see. Darksiders 2. Okay,
1: we're dead. Uh, cool. Yeah, we played Mario Aces. It was free for a week because it was part of Nintendo Switch Online service, so we got access to like a time trial. Have you had uh, much experience with uh, Mario tennis games?
0: We played in college Mario sixty four tennis when our college roommate found a way to emulate Mario sixty four tennis, and then he also found a way to program Wii Motes so we could actually swing the Wii Mote and it would indicate to the N sixty four emulator that we were swinging the
1: racket. Oh, Dizak! All right, uh, <laughs> this is a lot different, actually, right? <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah, because the Joy Cons don't work as as rackets, which to me is a missed opportunity. Hmm, I am, but um, I guess. There's different button inputs, yeah. so I don't think it would work that way.
1: Yeah, I can't say I tried. I mean, I played all this solo and handheld, but I, I had thought that there was a, a mode at least where you could play motion control, but it's kind of neither here nor there. Uh, so this this sort of lays somewhere in between like, simulation and arcade, I kind of feel, because you've got buttons for all different kinds of shots, like normal uh, like backhand or spin shots or things... That feel like it would belong in something that's trying to emulate real tennis, but then it has all these different meters that you can build up by making good shots, and then that b- builds up to a power up or ability that you can utilize in game, and, and it yeah. feels, it feels very arcadian in that sense because like you have a meter that lets you slow down time to respond to a fast shot, you have like a star build up thing where. If a hit's popped up towards your side and you've got your meter filled up, you do this almost like cutscene bouncing back and forth before you wind up a hit, and then you actually tilt your control to aim your shot on the other side of the field. And it's just... It's really almost cinematic in a kind of crazy way.
0: Yeah, the supers really stand out. I think a shy guy floats up on balloons, Mario jumps off some fake walls, Mm -hmm. and there's like a... It's a first-person, like, you see a a reticle, an aiming reticle, appear on the screen and you shoot wherever you want it to, which is the same as also a special zone shot. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of confused as to what the difference between the zone shot and the supers were. They right. seemed kind of the same.
1: Yeah, kind of. But and I mean, there's also this sort of built-in mechanic, too, where you can break your opponent's racket or they can break yours.
0: Yeah, your rackets have HP. So... If you someone does this like a Super Smash attack directly at you, and you don't time it just to, just right to hit the ball back, it'll say too early, and your racket takes damage. Right. I beat Boo by just smashing in his face over and over again.
1: Yeah. Ever since they introduced this, and full disclosure, I didn't do any like matchups solely. I mostly dabbled into the story mode, but all the matchups I had mostly ended in either me breaking my opponent's racket. Or they're breaking mine. I never actually got through a whole match <laughs> without ending it in that state. So like I, it feels oddly like game breaking in a strange way because the, you know, the objective doesn't turn into how you effectively play your best match against the opponent. It's really more like how quickly can you build up that meter so you can keep on doing the smash attack until your opponent doesn't hit the response right too many times.
0: Also. When they do that smash attack, there is a slow mo function, which uses some of your special meter as well. That was what saved me a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah, because that spares you from uh, having to have the most precise input. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Did you play any of the story mode?
0: I I played a ton of it. Okay. And it is very like. First off, I gotta say it's very funny that they have this much dialogue, and when it almost to me mimicked a visual novel, I had to go to this place and there's like a long conversation about the backstory of this, like the story is an Ancient Racket from Egypt or their equivalent, their equivalent of Egypt will take over people's minds, so Waluigi of course and Wario unearth it and all of a sudden it starts taking over people's minds and you have to go and stop it using power gems and each roadblock you hit in the story is surprisingly answered by tennis <laughs>
1: Yeah, save the world through the power of tennis
2: <laughs> so it's like Avengers,
0: it, but yeah, with tennis And everyone is so I want to cross this ship Hey, can I cross this, the sea in this ship so I can go to the haunted house? Sure, but you gotta play me in tennis first Weird At one point they even say, oh, well you're already dressed for tennis Perfect <laughs> Well, while we're at it, we might as well play some tennis Exactly, and they do vary it a lot Sometimes there's a big post in the middle Sometimes there's piranha plants jumping up and down Sometimes there's mirrors that shoot the ball back at you. But I think that my favorite part about the story was somebody telling me, Oh, Mario, you must be all stash and no smash.
3: Ooh.
0: I started laughing really hard. Is Wario
2: basically like John McEnroe? Ooh! That's a
0: good comparison.
2: That's the only male tennis player that I know.
0: But I think he's the bad boy of tennis, so it makes sense. He is the bad boy of tennis. So I I, I like the story a lot. It was very interesting to see these characters and their personalities. But of course, always the big humor of it. Just like, oh man, we should play a game of tennis. It's cool.
1: Yeah, I found myself uh, walking away from it wishing that it was available for like a 20 or $25 price range. Because it's a good game. It's just I don't play enough tennis or have a desire to play enough tennis games to throw a $60 chunk of change at.
0: Yeah. And I would, uh, me and Beth were talking. We'd probably go up to thirty. I think that we're like, man, this doesn't need to be sixty. Or it was on sale for like forty-seven. I was like, that's still kind of high.
1: That sounds about right for Nintendo. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's, there's a
2: lot of games that really don't need to be sixty, but are.
0: Nintendo has a has a very high value, and in the case of this game, it is very well polished. It is very pretty. It's very colorful and obviously very funny, uh, and a lot to it. It's very intricate. It's very complex. There's a lot of different ways to play between your timing and the four different types of shots to the three different special shots to the supers. And then just adding in all these different courts that have different variations to them. I think uh, Beth was playing and she asked me like, how can you get this she said two things that interested me one how can you vary tennis that much and then we played a bunch of matches and played a bunch of the story and she goes i could see how it's varied now like there's a lot to this
1: well there's even like boss battles in certain sections of it too so like yeah it be just like a giant field and you're smacking it back and forth between you and like a big baby piranha plant and it's just like a normal mario boss battle where there'll be patterns you have to stage out and plan certain shots at. and it's just it is really well put together
0: But then the second thing that she said was, who is this game for? Like, what is the age range? Because Mario and tennis, it seems like a very positive and upbeat story that could appeal to kids. But it's so complicated. And it's just so robust that I don't know how... I, again, we didn't play the story first. We just said, we're going to play a couple matches. Because it's Dennis and it's Mario, we don't think it should be that complicated. And we were real lost. And then we played the story and it tutorialized us and it taught us all of the ways. And we were good by the end, but you got to start taking notes. Yeah.
2: You think there's too much content for a kid to like play the whole story? It's
0: more, I just, it seems like an awkward demographic. You know, this is for ages You know, 12 and up, 15 and up. But it's like a fun story, kiddie Mario game. Maybe we just coddle our kids too much now. I don't know. Maybe.
2: Yeah. When we were kids, we had to face video game challenges.
1: Yep. Write down our passwords. I had to beat Super Ghouls and Ghosts both ways.
2: Yeah, exactly. Contra, no cheat codes.
1: Three lives. Absolutely cheat codes. What do you call it, Game Genie? <laughs> yeah, I, I
2: mean, I never, I never made it past like the first level. It's really hard. Of my own accord.
0: I think, True. I think it was a positive amount of time. I think we got a couple days. with it. I think, like, what, four days? And I liked what I played. Uh, Beth liked what she played. Yeah. So I, I could, again, a little less expensive. Or even just, like, a little less complicated. but Or a lot less expensive. Yeah. Now, Steve, you get, let's say, five minutes on this. Bro. Because you've been Bro. talking my ear off about some Bro. Diablo. You got to stop putting me at the end of this. <laughs> because i'm about to opine
2: about <laughs> Diablo 3. K- Alex, you're my hype man. Give me some hype. Hype it up. Get it, Steve. Get it. You got this. I believe in you. Okay. Diablo 3. Been eyeing this game for a hot minute. Picked it up. It was like 30 bucks for the game and the two DLC items. And where should i begin? It's a Blizzard game. It has the current Blizzard look which I would say it looks very much like I remember WoW looking. It it looks and feels kind of similar to Warcraft 3. You know, it's contemporary, but it it has a little bit more of a, I want to say, like a cartoony appearance to it than I remember to having. Granted, that's been a long time.
1: I agree with you on I, that. I... Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. And they have given it more of an arcade feel to me. Uh, and mind you, I'm playing it on PlayStation. I've been watching, uh, like, streamer, who is all Diablo 3. Been getting deep in it. I'm deep in the rabbit hole, Yeah, he's, when he's watching
0: YouTube videos and how-to guides, you know you're in it. I'm deep <laughs>
2: down. I'm deep down. So I started playing this, and it's still Diablo. It's a good, like, button grinder Power Grind Hack and Slash Dungeon Delve adventure with some self-conscious jokes about like stay a while and listen with Kane like ha 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 but it it has that arcade feel it feels a little bit like Gauntlet to me again maybe because I'm playing on the PlayStation and they have stripped down the skills so it's there's no more trees you have less variability in your skill combinations, uh, which is good for someone like me who gets lost in that stuff and it sucks at gaming because it, it kind of prevents you from going too far off. And then they like after you play a few levels, it gives you like a la carte mode so that you could select skills from any of the groups. So it's just like broken down into categories rather than trees. Yeah. Um, and normally you have to just, like, pick one skill from each category, but you can, you can break out of that if you choose to. I played it on normal, remembering that, like, Diablo 2, I felt, was pretty tough. I felt like I had a tough time getting through that one. And I felt like I was a big man in this, because I was whooping ass. I was going through with my Demon Hunter double crossbowing everybody and I was just like I am the man I'm wailing on this game it felt it's a good game for sup- that yeah it is it felt very easy I've had to like really crank up the difficulty and it might be because I'm coming in on the tail end of the game because I felt like I was getting rare treasures very often um which is something I don't recall happening in 2 I I died, like, only one time. I hosed Diablo and Asmodan, like, I was just rocking it. So I eventually had to turn up the difficulty. It didn't take me... Well, I just really ran through this game. I played... I played it hard. I think you got through the entire story
0: campaign in, what, like, three days?
2: Yeah, I got through most of it in three days. (laughs) The DLC Act 5 was pretty like substantial content wise. So good job, Blizzard. They didn't they didn't cheap out on that. And of course the added character class of the Necro is pretty classic. Okay. Um So Joel, yeah.
0: we played this a ton. Me, you, Getty, and our friend Chris. Yeah. This we played the story mode and this isn't that. Getty says it is the same, but it's not. How so? Steve after we left, they added things called seasons. Seasons are where they start fresh you enter a season, they give you a level one character, no gear, no paragon, no items, nothing. In there, you get bonus bounties, bonus goals, bonus gear, bonus content, and you can pick and choose the chapters that you go through. These bounties give you quests to do these different tasks and these different enemies that you may not have encountered in the normal story campaign. And you have to go through each chapter and go and check, like, oh, chapter four... There's these three bounties. Go ahead and just do them at your leisure. Go ahead and power level yourself and you can go out and do this stuff. Why? So that you get bonus content that if you do all these achievements at the end of the season, you get rewards based on how well you did. There's also leaderboards that will show how well you do comparative to other people throughout the season. And then your character becomes a non-season character. So now you just have like a new character who's all geared out and tricked out. And also gets all of this bonus content, gears and items and money and crafting materials. So that you that you earned through that season. And now it's like in your other characters as well. So that you yeah. can play so, the story mode in extra, extra, extra hard mode and keep going that way. The, the
2: seasonal content, basically each season they make a special buff. And the buff usually incentivizes you to play a particular class or a couple of classes. So you start a new season, you got no gold, you just start out and what Alex was describing is adventure mode where you can just skip to any act and go wherever you want and there's these bounties. And if you do all the bounties in an act, you get a special bag of treasure and it gives you crafting recipes and it gives you all this other stuff. There's the cube that lets you transmute, and there's this lady, you give her something called blood shards, and she gives you more... So, I mean, they're just like showering you with legendary treasures, Mm -hmm. and I think it's really geared towards, they call it the seasonal journey, that has these different tiers with tasks to complete, like, you know, upgrade your smithing all the way. And if you do enough of them, you get more cosmetics and you get more bags of treasure and special items and etc etc and so it's really geared towards having you power level and then completing these tasks on like extreme difficulties so like the highest tier in a season is like kill this boss on torment 12 or whatever the highest one is they also added the nephilim rifts With, like, the the greater rifts and the challenge rifts. So, like, you open a rift in town, and you just basically go into a monster slaughter fest that's more or less timed. So you kill buff monsters to get to the boss. You kill the boss. Again, it just, like, rains treasure on your face.
0: Also, they added... making
2: it rain with treasure.
0: They also added challenge rifts where someone did a rift challenge where they went in with their gear... And fought a boss, fought these mobs, and fought this boss within a certain amount of time. Say, 35 seconds. They, the challenge rifts are separate rifts where it gives you that character with that layout, with, that, with those uh, abilities, and with that gear. And then says, okay, he did it in 35 seconds. You have to beat it in 30, 37 seconds. And you have to it's use that, their, short, that yeah. character, that person, to go and try to do that rift.
2: Yeah, it's usually like a five-minute time limit. And, you know, you you basically see the loadout and the the skill sets are all locked. So it's like a, a speed run of the rift.
1: Hmm. H- how long do these seasons usually last?
2: A couple months. Okay. I think we're coming to the end of season 17. Uh, it ends on the 18th, and it started in May.
0: But And they have changed some of the mechanics in-game where if you... We used to get killing sprees where you would kill 20, 30, 40 enemies but they've kind of focused that down to where those killing sprees now start to multiply your experience mm-hmm. so Steve had found uh, a power leveling guide and within 30 hours we were close to level 30 and we were just we our our murder count was getting up to a hundred over a hundred <laughs> and we were just like in that span of us pulling all of those monsters killing and then going to pull more within a time limit and keeping all these enemies together and we got to like a 100 kills I think we'd leveled like a, a level and a half using yeah
2: we were gaining like two levels every 10 minutes
0: using these different ways of going into these challenge rifts and then going and doing these bounties and doing this other stuff
2: yeah so i looked up i don't usually do this but it was like how to get your character to level 70 in like two hours and i made alex try it out with me i didn't do that well and i gotta say i was looking at diablo for beginners guides they use all these acronyms where I was like, I don't even know what they're talking about. I like acronyms. What kind of just acronyms? just like the blizzard. I mean, they were talking about rolling blood shards. I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. And what is it? What's the barbarian build that everybody likes? It's like Hoda.
3: I have no clue. Okay. Yeah, you lost me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they come out with this wacky gibberish. I didn't understand it at all. I was like, uh, I don't know if this is really. What it comes me, down you know, to, this, though, like
0: Joel, we, Diablo 3, still good. Yeah, I mean, dude,
2: it's a stress reliever, button masher, time waster. Uh, Alex got me on the idea of, like, just listening to music or whatever while I mindlessly play, and I've actually been enjoying that a lot. Yeah, I remember... I found a
0: new vaporwave band for you, Steve. A new vaporwave band. Okay, yeah, cool. I
1: remember our time playing it being like uh, basically an interactive chat room. Like the the game wasn't that intensive with your attention, but it was a good way for us to all just like connect and hang out and chat while we were playing something. You know, it sounds like it's still in that vein.
2: Yeah, but I
0: kind of like that. Oh no, it's it's definitely something that I everyone here will agree with. Like we played a bunch of Diablo three.
2: Yeah, so it this has actually made me. Do you guys know is Diablo two on good old games?
0: I want to say that I, it is, yeah. It is.
2: I want to go back and play it. Because, like, I my big takeaway is, like, the disparity in difficulty. I felt like I had a lot of trouble getting through 2. I felt like
1: 1 and 2 was really oppressive. Yeah, I agree with you.
2: So, yeah, they, de- they dealt with that. It, it's like a swing the other way where I was like, all right, I'm usually not this good. Something's wrong. It's
0: pressing the pleasure button.
2: Yeah, for sure. And it, it does that well.
0: Now let's diab go into our last break. Good thing Getty's not here. He would hate these puns. Boo. Does that count as a pun?
2: Yeah, that's not really a pun. No,
0: maybe it's not a pun. Diab go. Diab go. But after the break, our new segment. That Diablo's. Ha <laughs> ha ha ha. final break. And now we go into a little thing I came up with called Name That Game. I have scoured the internet to various websites as well as come up with some of these myself, of very bad descriptions of video games. For example, a trade school graduate and his brother lay massive genocide to an entire monarchy of reptiles and fungi for a girl. Joel, what you think that would be? What? <laughs> that would be The Mario Brothers. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Did you get it, Joel? Okay, there we go. So that was an example. Come on, one. Joel,
2: I got that one. Yeah. What are you, loser or something? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so with that, I have here ten examples of games, and Joel and Steve think real hard. Let's see if you guys can uh, come up with some of these, because some of these are tricky, and uh, some of them are from websites online, and some of them are my own creation. Number one.
2: Wait, 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 wait. Your own creation, as in, like, you made up the game? No, well, I made these up These are the all real games. Okay. Alex Arona's Backwash Zone? Alex
0: Arona's Pro Snake yeah, Game. Yeah, but you forgot about that. Pro Snake Game. Ooh. Number one. A convicted killer takes a young girl on a hugely dangerous hike.
2: I think I know
1: this one, actually.
0: What you got, Joel?
1: Steve, well, I'll let Steve go first.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Convicted killer. Hike. You know, when he said killer, I'll, all I could think of is Heavy Rain. I got nothing.
0: Okay. Heavy Rain is his, His that's a good, it's not a bad choice. It's a horrible choice. Okay,
1: so actually, I was originally thinking The Last of Us, but I think, I haven't played enough of that to know better, but I thought about it and I know that The Walking Dead Season 1 fits that category, so we'll go with that.
0: Good guess. The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Never played it. Good one. Okay, number two, low-income employee discovers staff cuts, skeeves off work with his buds.
2: Office space, the movie. <laughs> the
1: the movie, Not the bad. game. <laughs> Joel, you got any Repeat thoughts? Repeat that description real quick again.
0: Low-income employee discovers staff cuts, skeeves off work with his buds. Double Dragon. Also a good a good <laughs> guess um i'm at a loss go ahead that one is abe's odyssey oh i never played that before never played it either okay it's a good game next it's odd world right yep. odd world abe's odyssey okay man forced to play a vr game learns a lot about history and parkour tron was there parkour and tron did i miss that one no. No,
1: okay. What are your thoughts, plays, Joel? plays Damon VR, learns about.
2: Oh, wait. no I got Joel. This is Assassin's Creed. <laughs> You're right. Here
0: we go. <laughs> I got one. There we go. That was one. good. Good pull. <laughs> that was really good. Okay, number four. Tourist shows up really late to Under the Sea Party, murders swaths of drug addicts, and eats food from the trash. Steve, what's your guess? Uh, no idea. Little Mermaid.
2: Yeah, I just keep saying movies. Yeah.
0: Joel, what do you think? It's Bioshock. There we go. Bioshock.
2: Oh, nice. That is that does describe Bioshock. Mm-hmm. At least the first one. He was really one. late to that party. That's true. Was it nineteen sixty New Year's? Yes. All right. Keep it. Keep them coming.
0: Number five teenage love inspires the genocide of ancient race by climbing and rodeo riding as a hint this is Joel one of your favorite games what um,
1: <laughs> that bothers me more <laughs> <laughs> teenage love inspires mass genocide of ancient race
0: climbing and rodeo riding climbing
1: and rodeo riding
0: I'm gonna
2: say it's uh, Mount Your Friends, which is actually Alex's <laughs> favorite game.
0: That's true. I love Mount Your Friends. <laughs> oh
1: shit! Teenage love. Ready? Go ahead.
0: Shadow of the Colossus.
1: Oh come on! Yeah, <laughs> that, that's a real damn stretch.
0: <laughs> he genocide that ancient race.
1: Yeah, I guess that's I race. guess that's technically correct.
0: Next, number six. A race of burlap sack people are forced to compete difficult platforming challenges, or die. Oh,
2: I know what game you're talking about, and I just don't remember the title now.
0: I'm guessing you're talking about a Little what Big Planet. That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Sackboy. I love Sackboy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad what they did to him.
0: Mm-hmm. Wait, what did they do to Sackboy? He's not very good anymore. Yeah. Oh. I guess it's not as sinister as it sounds <laughs> <No>. Sorry. <laughs> Number seven. Local law enforcement show up to mansion late. Make a killing. Stay the weekend. Uh, Resident Evil. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil. Number eight. It's a zombie. It's a zom what? A zombie. Okay. Local teens compete in Animal Fight Club for cash and prizes. Pokemon. You didn't even know what Pokemon was. Wow. That's good. Yeah,
2: Be, that's because it's like the only like game or cartoon that I know of that openly endorses animal fighting.
0: <laughs> that's just a true fact.
2: I, it,
1: it is kind of amazing
0: Pokemon that that is flies actually really dark. in today's world.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really really dark. It's, it's basically just like, hey, let's make a a game about cockfighting, but change it a little bit. Okay, this and one everyone seemed to not notice that. Keep going.
0: This one, I'm going to ask to Joel first, because I know Steve's going to get it. Okay. Space, space ninjas go on a road trip for new suits.
1: Space ninjas go on a road trip for... Is this
0: Warframe? It is Warframe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to get back into that game. Having haven't had time. Me too. Got too many games. Mm-hmm. And finally, number 10. A woman goes through a hole and comes out the other side, just like every other hole that ever existed um portal what do you think Joel?
1: uh i'm gonna say portal too because i think he's right it
0: is portal <laughs> yeah i got some I was, that was good I, I was waiting for
1: some i haven't played donut county so at first i was like maybe this is some sly indie reference that we wouldn't know but <laughs>
0: I was trying Uh, to keep these a little bit more generalized and closer to the chest because I feel like you start going into indies and it's like, I don't know, wizard punches dude with a gun in the face and it's like, oh, that's like seven games. Crap. Sure, sure. (laughs) So, try
2: to Uh, keep it a little more. Joel, you got to play Donut County. Oh, yeah. You you know, I saw that might even be better than Diablo 3. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: The crazy thing I saw, uh, Limiterum Games, is doing a physical copy of that for the Switch.
2: Mm. Nice.
0: Yeah.
1: I see no reason why I'd buy it, <laughs> just because I feel like the regular price is a little too
0: much for me, but... It'll be on sale. Yeah. And with that, we are done with our Name That Game segment, and we're on to one last thing. Our one last thing, where we give one last statement, sentence, shout-out, right before the weekend. For me, if you aren't watching Metal Gear Hartwig, he got to fishing mailed last night, where the colonels revealed to be an AI, autocom sleeping with his stepmom, and like, Kevin is losing his freaking mind. It's the best. Wait, the Colonel's an AI? Yep. Spoiler alert. Colonel's an AI. Dude. And he gets a virus, so he starts spitting some crazy stuff. So he was, really? Hartwig was losing his mind, and it was all sorts of humorous. But all the episodes are currently on our Super GG Radio YouTube page. So at minimum, enjoy his reaction on this last episode, which is episode 11.
1: Light sands through the hourglass. Those are the days of our lives.
0: Those are the Metal Gears of our lives, Metal Gear. Yeah, Joel, get hit em. me with your one last thing.
1: Uh, just uh, you know, Fire Emblem is probably the best sleep aid I've had in a while. Just been doing lots of lots of dad naps every time that I get to a part where you're exploring the school and being a teacher. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about all that stuff yet, but uh,
0: yeah, that's right out, huh?
1: Yep, yep. Lots of lots of 9:30 nights. Uh, fall asleep on the couch with switch in my lap. I, c-
0: I can't tell if that means the, g- the game is great or the game is awful. Uh, Can it be both? Maybe.
1: Yes, yep. for different reasons. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm into to the point where I'm enjoying it finally, but uh, yeah, it was a rough go at it first.
0: Now, Steve, hit me with your one last thing. You require more
2: Vespine gas. That's a video game reference. <laughs> but... To echo your sentiments from the last episode, I also was reflecting on how bad I am at RTS games. Okay. And I do agree with Joel that Warcraft 2 is better than Thank Warcraft
3: 3. Thank
2: you. Screw you Getty. <laughs> when when you said that, I just I was in my car listening to this on the way to work and I just said yes right out loud. <laughs> it's Warcraft 2 just it's it's got a special place in my heart and again similar to diablo like warcraft 3 was way easier mm, i like I really had a hard time ever beating warcraft 2 so yeah warcraft 2 is is up there with one of the best
0: games ever
1: absolutely yes thank you
0: <laughs> loktar dabu and that will be it for this week's super gg radio Before we go, you can find us on Twitter at superggradio and twitch.tv slash superggradio where I still owe Steve a stream of Verlet Swing, but trust me it's in the plans. Hartwig will be changing his streaming schedule to three hours on Fridays instead of Monday and Wednesdays, so I may take his Wednesday slot so I can do some maybe half-baked beta streams or some other fun ideas I'm tinkering with. I think the name Half-Baked Beta is kind of an interesting one, but bringing back maybe bringing back one of my favorites was doing Drunk Souls, where I played Dark Souls and just drank every time I died. But I don't know if I can handle that much drinking.
2: Hartwig's, like, drink every time I die in Metal Gear was a little bit of a disaster. He really started going downhill fast. But it was a
0: fun
1: disaster. That was fun to watch.
0: <laughs> it really was. Now, on top of the streaming plans... Joel and Kelly did their first episode of 2D Tuesdays. It was a lot of fun, and it's archived on our YouTube channel as well. So this will continue next week where you'll play some of those 2D classics from the Wayback Machine and find some hidden gems. Any, Any sneak peeks, Joel? Only that
1: we're actually going to choose three or four games out of a list before starting next time because Kelly beat the Little Mermaid in like twenty minutes and left us stranded for about the rest of the forty minutes that we planned on streaming. So
2: Well, well <laughs> Man, Kelly's a beast.
1: Uh, she yeah. she knows her Just little, crushing mermaid, well. the little yeah.
2: mermaid. Crushing it.
1: Oh yeah. She put me to shame because I was real bad at it.
2: Are you Sebastian the Crab? Uh
1: out of she was our out one. of that movie, he would be my spirit animal. Yeah.
0: Alright. If you'd like to reach us with questions or input, our email address is superggradio at gmail.com and provide a review on iTunes or the internet harassment campaign of your choice. Thanks for listening. GG Steve. GG guys. Gotta say it. And hey, GG Joel. Good name. I hate you so much. superggradio at gmail.com.